Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Good morning, everybody. If you want to turn over to Luke chapter 12, as you're turning there, Joe, would you mind put that slide up? If some of you can remember this far back, about three and a half years ago, when we announced the idea of planting Mercy Hill Church, you can skip ahead to the next, skip ahead to the one with the three churches. Okay, that's good right there. Um, we had talked in the past about planting, when we planted Mercy Hill Church, as you know, Mercy Hill was a plant out from a Living Word and Cross Point Church together. And so as we, when we planted that, we had talked at the time, if you remember the slide, this is what we showed three and a half years ago, that sooner or later we were going to have another plant and it would be somewhere in the Tri-Town area, probably 2011. Well, that's come and gone. It obviously didn't happen. Um, that's still in our hearts to do. But all along, we've been a part of a network of churches that desires to plant and continue to plant out churches into local communities and areas to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ wherever they're at. And we understand that missionaries are absolutely important, but... With the local church, we think what a phenomenal way to, to really bring the good news to people through the local church. And that's where our passions lie. Our passions lie in missions, but our passions also lie in the local church proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we believe it's, we don't believe in, not believe, we don't, our network of churches really, we desire to plant out churches that are a little bit smaller, not mega churches impact this specific area that we're in that they're in nothing against mega churches there's a place for those but we see rather churches of 250 or 300 people in a in the local area and then other churches being planted out from those churches well as we've been talking and praying about this has always been and we've we've talked about this one day we want to plan out some more we believe that this area in particular is ripe for the gospel there's so many people crammed into so little space that you could plant churches in town after town after town and really begin to see this message of Jesus Christ continue to impact those areas. So as we've been praying over the past couple of years, um, and Joe, if you want to just put, hit the next slide. So that was the slide we show, hey, we're gonna, as we talk, we said in the future we're going to continue to plant churches all over the place and who knows what God's going to do. But as we've, as we've been talking and praying over the past 18 months, Todd and Susan Casenza have really felt in their own hearts a desire and a faith from the Lord to plant out. And so Todd and Susan, as, a, as we have waited and prayed together, we believe that Todd and Susan are going to begin to explore planting out another church. And it won't be a church just planted out from, from just Living Word. It won't be a church just planted out from Cross Point or just Mercy Hill. It's going to be a church with our DNA and we are going to be helping to support and encourage and invest into this plant. And so we're exploring the possibility of planting Todd and Susan a little bit farther east of us. And so in the next, um, and we're, we're, we're going to try to do this by spring of 2013. So within the next six months, we're going to be really praying together and asking God just really for the faith for this and ask God for the strength for this and the resources to do this. Like I said, it won't be just a plant like it's always been from Living Word Church with 50 people or whatever going somewhere. It's going to be each one of the churches participating in the work of the plant. 
And so we'll, we will have an opportunity to participate in this in the, in the coming, coming months. And so we need to be praying for this. We need to be asking God for the resource to help um, fund, fund part of this, maybe even send some people to the church plant, but all along asking God to really bless and strengthen that work. And so, um, so in the next few months, we'll be talking more about that, but I wanted to present that to you and bring that to you because this is a part of who we are. We're a church who's not content just to sit back and say, okay, we've got a building now. You know, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot, of, lot of butts in the pews. Okay, we're happy. We can just kind of, you know, close our doors and go on our way. We desire to see the kingdom of God continually expand and expand and expand and expand until it fills the whole earth, just like Jesus said it would. And so that is our desire, and so we're going to continue to pray for that. All right, let's turn over to Luke chapter 12. We'll be looking in uh, verse 13 this morning. And as we continue to look through Luke, Jesus begins to really hit on some, some topics that can, can be uncomfortable to us. And if you're here for the first time this morning, um, you know, we're talking, we'll be talking a little bit about money today. And always when we talk about money, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want, don't want to be that church. We're going to talk about money all the time. And the new people are going to think we always talk about money. But as we preach through the gospel of Luke, Money is one of those subjects that Jesus will continue to hit on over and over and over again because it's such a vital part of our discipleship. Jesus, as he begins to address the issues of money and finance in our own lives, it makes us uncomfortable and it makes us really a bit defensive at times as well because God is seeking to address things in our lives that need to be adjusted. And so this is really a a great opportunity for us to really just ask the Lord to continue to work in our lives, in our hearts, as we talk about these things. Let's start reading in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. We're going to read through the end of 34, and then we're going to pray. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, Why are you anxious about the rest? 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we approach your word this morning, Lord, we understand that your word is life to us. God, that we don't approach your word apathetically or just with a cavalier attitude, God. We desire that you would give us this morning Lord, eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we know, Lord Jesus, that you are speaking today. And Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive your word with faith. And begin to live out the very things that you are calling us to. So God, we pray, address us today. Speak to us. Adjust us. Help us to know the things that you are speaking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we start off this passage with a request. So Jesus, maybe in the middle of his teaching, some guy speaks up and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is a reasonable request. He's asking for justice, right? And I don't know how many of you have an older brother. How many of you have an older brother? Right? You can identify with this guy, right? You have an older brother, like half of your life has been like, hey, can you please share with me? Oh, man, you, why is he always taking all this stuff? And, and, and some of you, being the older brother, who's, who's the older brother? Who's, who's the firstborn in this? Okay, that's me. And it's like, I hear this and think like, that's so my little brother. Right? This is like, this is the first 18 years of my life in one verse. It's like, please, Johnny took all the food, he's not sharing. It's like, look, if you want it, you can come snatch it out of my hands, all right? But this guy is asking for justice. He's not asking for something sinful. What he's asking for is for Jesus to make a decision about the inheritance. And I'm guessing this guy is probably the younger brother, his older brother is probably taking all of it, and here he is, not knowing what to do. And so in, the, in this time... In history, the Jewish people had many laws concerning inheritance. And so with all the complexities of the inheritance, all the laws, sometimes there'd be some shady areas. And so they would go to a rabbi and they'd ask the rabbi to make a decision and interpret the law accordingly so they knew what to do in this instance. And so this guy's appealing to Jesus as a rabbi saying, Jesus, would you please make a decision for me in this instance? I need to know what to do here. But looking at it as well, He's not really presenting two sides of the story. He's really just asking Jesus, would you please 
you know, favor my side of the story here? Can you just make a decision for me? But how does Jesus respond? He doesn't really respond cordially. He's not like, oh, man, I, I hear you. You know, thanks for letting me know about this. We need, to, we need to take action for you, and this is really important to me, too. We really we need to get this dealt with, and we need to make sure the law is upheld and all these things. He doesn't do that. Jesus' concern, according to this guy, isn't that he would get his rightful stuff, right? Jesus didn't come to make sure this guy got all that he needed to get. Jesus comes and he addresses the heart. He addresses the heart. He just blows right past what this guy is asking and gets right to the heart of the issue. This is what Jesus is concerned about. And so he goes on and gives the bottom line. He's like, I'm going to tell a story, but I'm going to give you the bottom line before we get into the story. And here's the bottom line. Take care and be on your guard against covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so the story that Jesus goes to tell after what he says in verse 15 can really be framed by verse 15 and verse 23, which says, For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Jesus tells a story, and it's framed by verses 15 and 23. He says, bottom line, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Why? It's because your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. That's why we need to be on guard. And as I read this this week, I thought, there isn't a time in history where these words haven't been more applicable than to our lives today. As Jesus spoke these words, they were just as powerful as they are today. Over the course of 2,000 years, these words have lost nothing. They are just as powerful, and we need to hear them today. Just as much as the people that were, were listening to Jesus needed to hear them that day and that time. We need these words for our lives today. And he's warning against a subtle deception that's taken place in this guy's heart. And really, he's speaking to each one of us. Because given the same circumstances, we're probably asking for the same things. We just want justice. We want what's rightfully ours. But he's warning against a subtle deception. And here's the deception that he's talking about. Where is life found? Where is our life found? As we think about this, it's easy for us to, as, as believers, to answer, you know what, my life is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who I find my life in. We would all say that. But then do we go and live like practical atheists? Is Jesus really our life? Is Jesus our life? Now, I want to read this parable again. And I want to just make a couple stresses on some of the words. And I want you to see if you can listen to its subtlety and just pick up what I'm talking about. And he told him a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. So here he is. The, the rain was just right that year. Man, the heat wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. The conditions were just right. Man, it was a good year for growing crops. Everything, everything lined up just as it should. The rains came when they should. It was dry when it should have been. 
There wasn't any scorching heat. It wasn't freezing nights. Man, it just worked out perfectly. And there was a bumper crop. Man, this guy made it. He had more than he knew what to do with. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And what does God say to this man? What is God's response to this man? But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Why is this man the fool? Why did God look down and assess this guy's life and call him a fool? Because in verse 15, Jesus says, because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's exactly what this guy thought. My crops, my grain, my barns, my things, my stuff. I'm going to build bigger things for myself. I'm going to do this. It's all about me. It's about my stuff. But God says, but where is life found? Is this where our life is found? What does Jesus say about where life is found? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. He doesn't say, I am a way, a truth, a life. He says, I'm it. There is no other life. There is no other way. There is no other truth. I am it. Life is found in Jesus Christ alone. And instead of this guy looking towards God as the one who provided for him the grain, this guy didn't say anything about his hard work. It didn't say anything about maybe he just planted just right and he, he organized his fields just right and he, he you know, got all just the, the, the most expensive seed he could get for it. didn't say any of that. All it said is this guy sat back and God, had the, God was the one who provided all these things. He's the one who withholds the rain or brings the rain or brings the, brings the heat, the cool, everything else. God was the one providing all these things. And this guy sits back and says, look how good it is for me. Man, this is all about me. Never once mentions anyone else. Doesn't talk about maybe bettering himself for the sake of other people's. He wants to live a life of indulgence. He wants to relax. He wants to eat. He wants to drink. And he wants to be merry. This is all about the fool. And I, like I said, we need to hear this today. I think back about how in the 90s and probably early 2000s, how we had so much stuff that we had to build all kinds of storage facilities to put all, the, all of our stuff in that we couldn't fit in our house anymore. And so we bought storage facilities and rented storage facilities because of all the stuff that we had that we couldn't do without, that we put in a storage facility 
that we leave locked up for year after year, never even using it or touching it. But we had to have it. We built bigger barns. We're the ones who built the bigger barns. What are we going to do without the stuff? And this is where my life is at. I can't give this up. I can't sell this. I need to have it. Although I'm not going to go see it for year after year, but at least I have it still. Because that's where my life is found. We need to, we need to hear these words. Take care and be on your guard. Take care and be on guard. Are we laying up treasures for ourselves or are we giving richly towards God? That's the question that's being asked here. That's the question that's being asked of each one of us today. Are we being rich towards God or are we storing up treasures for ourselves? And then have we been deceived into thinking that is where our life is found? It's a serious question. It's a matter of life and death. And it's not what other people think of us because we can look around and compare ourselves. Well, this guy next door doesn't give anything to the church or to missions or anything else, and I give a little bit more than that, so I'm doing okay. The assessment isn't what's going on around us. The assessment that matters is what is God's assessment because God is the ultimate judge here. God is the one who's making assessment, looking down upon our lives and making the call. It's not our neighbors, not our friends, not other people in the church. It is God's assessment that's, that matters. And what we need God to do in us is make a heart-level change. Because Jesus didn't come to earth to give us some kind of behavior modification. He didn't come saying, look, I just want to clean up how you spend and then you're good to go. What Jesus Christ is after in us is a heart-level change. A change that so radically changes us that we are transformed from the inside out. And that this transformation within our hearts then begins to affect the way in which we live our lives. The way in which we spend our time. The way in which we give our money. It affects everything. But it's not because we just decided one day that we need to make a few changes It's because Almighty God has come and lived inside of us and is radically changing us from the inside out. That is why we need Jesus Christ. That is why this guy needs Jesus Christ. And that is the very thing that Jesus Christ is addressing. He's not talking to this guy about, hey, look, buddy, you know what, I'll finish preaching and then we'll kind of go over and we'll talk to your brother and we'll, we'll get things straightened out. Jesus is concerned about the heart about what's going on inside of us. Because when that changes, everything else changes. Everything else changes when Jesus begins to address the heart. And when we came to Jesus Christ, when we surrendered our life to Christ, when we came to Jesus Christ and met Him at the foot of the cross and placed our faith and asked Him to forgive us of our sins, believing that He died for us on the cross, that our sins have been paid for, that He died and rose again to new life. When we surrendered our life to Him, we gave Him everything. We gave Him everything. We gave Him our lives, our heart, everything that's associated with us. We surrendered to Jesus Christ. We gave to Him. And so Jesus in this passage is encouraging us and addressing us and adjusting us. He is adjusting us, saying, look, 
I did such a radical work in your heart and I am doing such a radical work in your heart that it's going to begin to change the very things and the very nature by which you understand all of life, finances included. It changes everything. That is what we need from the Lord. That is what we're asking Him. And the very thing that Jesus came when He came and preached in Luke chapter 4, the first sermon He gives to the people in Nazareth, and He says, look, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to those who are in bondage to sin. In bondage to materialism. People who thought that their life consisted of the possessions they had. Who had given themselves, who had spent their time and energy and money acquiring things for themselves. Trying to find life in those things. Trying to find contentment in those things. And I love what Tim said when he was praying for Adriana. God adopts us, not because we look like him. But after adoption, he transforms us to changes to look like him. Okay? And, and it's the same way. God adopts us into his family and says, we're going to clean some things up here because I want you to experience full life. I don't want you giving yourselves to things that are foolish. I don't want you wasting away your life, chasing and pursuing and acquiring and going after the things that will not bring life. There is no life in these things. And everywhere around us, everywhere, everywhere around us, is screaming that life is found in the bigger house, in the newer car, in the more stuff. That's where life is found. That's what everyone else is saying, except Jesus Christ. Everyone else is saying this, and so he's got to address us because we are, we are inundated by it. Day after day, commercial after commercial, billboard after billboard, Black Friday sales flyers, we are being bombarded with an idea that our life is found in our possessions, in the things that we have, the things that we pursue. And what we desire is that Jesus Christ would so transform us that His priorities, His desires become ours is we're conformed to the image of Christ. The things that Jesus Christ prioritizes. Things that Jesus Christ says, this is what is important to me. Those things then become important to us. Those things then become the things that we think about and pray about and pursue. And what he's saying here is, this stuff isn't going to bring you life. It's relationship with Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ that is the cornerstone of our life. It is Jesus Christ who is the source of our life. It is us knowing and relating and fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. That's where our life is found. That's where our life is transformed. That's where our lives are changed. It's because of Jesus and it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. God may be calling you to give towards missions in a way that is so much more than what He's calling me to give towards missions or towards a local church or towards whatever it may be. But God is calling each one of us to prioritize Him. 
that he would be our life, that we would not be deceived, that he would adjust the way in which we think and live and act so that his desires become our desires. I have some friends of ours who happened to inherit a large amount of money after their uh, family member passed away. However, someone else in the family was also trying to make claim to this inheritance, and so they had gotten lawyers involved and all kinds of other stuff was going on. And it got a little bit messy. And the friends of ours who are believers came to a place where they said, look, there is a substantial amount of money that we believe is rightfully ours, legally. However, for the sake of testimony of Jesus Christ, for the sake of our relationship with this family member, we are going to give it up and allow this person to take claim to the inheritance. Now, it was a large amount of money. It was a lot of money. But I thought, as I was thinking about that this week, they understood this. They got this. They had every right to say, you know what, legally it's ours. We can get our lawyers involved. We can, we can, we, or, well, we will end up with money. I mean, they could have done all those things. But they understood this. That life is not, our life does not consist of how much money we have in the bank or how many TVs we have in our house or how nice a car we drive. That's not where our life is found. It's okay to have a house and have a car and have a TV. Those things are okay. But that's not where our life is found. And nor do we spend our life and our energy and our time and all of our resources pursuing and going after these things. Because at that point, we have become the fool. That's not where life is found. Our life is found in Jesus Christ. And so what they did is they released it. They let it go. And I'm sure there's times when they look back and think, you know what? Wow, that money would be really helpful right now. That would be good. I wish we would have had this. But for the sake of Jesus Christ and the testimony of his name and for the sake of their relationship, they let it go because they understood this. I want us this morning to consider our own hearts and our own lives. Now, this is a little bit easier of a test because I feel like if we really were to get serious about this, unlike other things where we don't really know how it, how, what does that sin look like in different areas of our life because people aren't always around us, if we're really serious about this, we follow the paper trail, right? We follow the paper. Where is our finances going? What does our bank statement say? What does our credit card statement say? Where is our life going? Where are we giving ourselves to? This is a a little bit easier to address. And I think for each one of us, we need to consider, God, maybe you are calling me and you are addressing my heart in such a way that would take out those bank statements and say, God, where is it going? Where where, Where am I pursuing? Because I can deceive myself to think that, oh, it's Jesus is my cornerstone, But in reality, my bank statements and my credit card statements and the money in my bank accounts say something completely different from what I'm professing. I mean, that's the bottom line. And if that's the case, we need to go to Almighty God and repent. And by the grace of God, be rich towards God and invest and find our life in the things that Jesus says where true life is found. And that's in Him. See, the good news for us is that we can repent. 
by the grace of God, we can turn away from these things and begin to be rich towards God because God has made a heart-level change within us. And if we hear this and think, ah, that's for somebody else, that's not for me, we need to repent and ask God to help us to see it. We need God to work on our hearts, and especially with Black Friday coming. The temptation for us is to look at the ads, and as much as we think about, oh, we want to buy gifts for people, and it's all about other people, that TV you want to buy is for you. Come on, let's be honest. I was looking this week, and there's like a $150, 39-inch TV at like Best Buy or something. I'm thinking, wow, forget everybody else, man. This is about me here. I would love that thing sitting in my room or in my office or whatever. Like, that would be great. And I think that's no big deal. But what am, I, what am I giving myself to? Think about that. How much time have we spent thinking? How much time are we going to spend thinking about these things in the next couple of days? Are we deceived and do we need to be adjusted? To understand, number one, Jesus is our life. He is our cornerstone. He is the foundation of everything we do. When we came to him, we gave him everything. We gave him rights to everything. We surrendered our lives to Christ. That means he has claim on all of us. And everything attached to us, he has claim on. The way that he prioritizes things, now for us become the things that we prioritize. But this is where real life is found. This is where real life is found. It's not found in those other things. It's found in Jesus. And I want so badly for us as a church, for us as God's people, as God's family, that we would be the ones who would prioritize him above everything else. As he looks down upon our church, he wouldn't say, fools, you've pursued everything else but Jesus. Or you've pursued everything and then you've kind of tacked Jesus onto it. That we would be the people of God that find our lives in Jesus Christ. To find our, our, our hope, our pursuits, our desires will be found in Jesus Christ. There's hope for us. There's hope. Because we can, we can go to God today and ask Him to begin to change us. Begin to change our hearts. Begin to change our lives. That all these things would be effective. All these things would be affected by the way in which Jesus Christ is living and dwelling inside of us. We're going to close. But I want to leave this invitation for us to go to Christ. Let us go to the Lord together today. If you are sitting here today and you're like, I've never, I've never come to Christ, ever. You can come to Him today. There's an offer of salvation for you today that He could come and dwell inside of you and change your heart and change your life. And the offer stands for you today. You can come to Him. And as we pray, as we close, we take communion, there's an opportunity for us to repent. Repent of of us trying to find life in something else other than Him and ask Him to change us, that we would find our life and identity in Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be our life, that nothing else would compete for the throne of our heart, Jesus, but you would sit upon that throne, that you would be our cornerstone, that you would be our foundation, that you would be the thing that gives us life, 
the one who we relate to and relate with and have relationship. Lord, I pray that you would be it, Jesus. That we would not find our life in anything else. And Lord, today we repent because we have bought into the lie. Lord, we need adjustment. We need to be put back on the right track again. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would point us back towards you again. Move us away from thinking life is found in any of these things, especially this week, especially today, especially right now. We ask, adjust us. Give us focus. And let us find our life in the treasure of you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.